Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Back. Man, I took the dog for a walk. 
How do I do all this? Five-hour energy. Hours of energy now with no crash later. Underline! Are you ready for more laughs, a new stage, and more Robbie Perry? Well, the wait is almost over. That's right. Off the chain is coming back. This fall on Bounce TV. Bounce TV. TV. Our way. If you're looking for the latest in comedy, news, and entertainment, the only place to go is the Humor Meal. Check out the website, humormealmag.com. Humor Meal, the only place for comedy, news, and entertainment. I see you, Frank. Now, what 
you know, the creative process was it was pretty simple with that with 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 that show. In that Martin, you know, being a successful stand-up comic, we were able to pretty much just take right from his uh, his comedy act and just kind of build uh, a show around that, uh, and then adding in the 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 the, uh, the Beauty and the Beast scenario where you got your downtown guy and a pretty girl from uptown, right. and pretty much you know making making it to where opposites attracted, and so it was then it was just like taking bits and pieces and elements of my life, other people, other writers' lives uh, that were going through similar lifestyles as the Martin and Gina characters were at that time. So it, it was just kind of easy to just kind of spitball what was really going on and, yeah. uh, you know, just put that on page, put that on the paper. Man, man, you, you guys put it on the paper so well. Um, the, Martin's physicality, did you ever have to, as a, as a you know, as a showrunner, did you ever have to squeeze that out of him or did that just jump out of him? I got to be honest, man, it, it, it just came out of him. I mean, you, you give him something on paper and he might look at it and go, I'm not really feeling it, I don't see it. And you may have to give him a little nudge and say, well, well what, if you, what if you saw it like this and kind of mm-hmm. give him an idea where to go and then from that point on, he would take it to a whole nother level. Like Dragonfly Jones, come on, man. You can't write that. <laughs> you can't write that. You cannot <laughs> you can't write, write that stuff, man. Oh, oh, this such great characters, man. Man, like you say, Ben Lee, like when when you were in it, you were living it, you you didn't you you guys didn't really know. So what's it like now a two decades almost later? to look back and it still be, I mean, it's really hard for some of the newer shows to have Martin running in, in reruns behind you because he's getting higher ratings still. I know, it's crazy. I mean, um, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful <laughs> that at least the characters didn't have big afros and everything, so we'd be outdated right now. Right. <laughs> but um, it's just a timeless show, man. It was, it was, a, uh, it was a classic time. Um, it was time for America to embrace a young black male that was just basically saying, what's up? And that's like the first time that that had ever been done uh, in the history of television where you just take this around-the-way guy and, uh, you know, and make light of him. And then when you look back at it, everybody can relate to the show because we've all been young and wild and crazy. And so you look back and watch those, those episodes. It's like watching old episodes of I Love Lucy. And and I tell you, Rodney, that the, the coolest part is uh, watching them with Martin. When I'm up at his house and we just turn on the show and just trip off of it, is like it's like it's it's like surreal. Right, because y'all lived that. We lived it, and then it's like to go back and relive it. And I ask him sometimes, "What were you thinking right then and there?" And he'll go, "I was just thinking, I got a shot. I'm going for mine right now, in every second." Wow. Wow. Martin ran from 92 to 97. Jamie Foxx ran from 96 to 2001. So you had an overlap there where you were doing both of the shows? Yeah, man. I was, uh, geez, man, I was 29 years old, man, and I was running uh, two, two uh, totally different shows for two different networks simultaneously. And the, the good thing for me was that Universal Studios, where we did Martin, was right across the street from Warner Brothers. So it's like I could just, you know, take a golf cart and dip from one studio to the next studio. And, I mean, it was, it was taxing, man. It was a grueling, a grueling schedule 
But I was able to pull it off, man. And like I said, I was under the age of 30, and I didn't know what I was getting into. But, uh, you know, I made it work. We did 27 episodes of Martin that year, and we did 22 episodes of Jamie Foxx that year. Man, that's that's crazy. And, and, and give my audience this, because I don't think people understand when you say I was running two shows. To be a showrunner, the network has to trust you. Like, what was your pedigree that they decided to trust you for Martin? You know what? It's funny, man, because I, when I came in uh, to the Martin show, I didn't have a pedigree. I, I mean, I, I'm proud to say, but then I'm not proud to say that I, you know, I don't have a college degree. I didn't go to uh, to school for this. Mm-hmm. I just learned it. I was a TV kid, so I just understood the uh, the ebb and the flow of what TV is. And then, you know, working with Martin and and uh, the executives being able to see that I had a relationship to where I could relate to him, and pretty much, uh, you know, pretty much he and I got along so well to where it was like, you know what. He trusts this guy, and if he trusts him, then we have to learn to trust him. And so, you know, they gave me um, they gave me a shot to try it. Uh, they bumped me up uh, to a high-ranking producer in the fourth season, and then in the fifth season, they say, hey, you got it. So we're going to wow. trust you and take the gloves off and let you do what you do. And uh, and we were able to, like I said, do it remarkably. Man, well, I've talked to Carl Payne on this show. I've talked to um, um, uh, Tommy, Tommy Ford, and you know they all speak to that time being so much fun. Man, what's your biggest reflection on that time? It was it was a lot of fun, and you know what's crazy is you know we were on the Universal Studios lot, so you know you got the tour that's on the lot as well. So it was like it was like working on a in a playground. Like at lunchtime, you're taking all your friends up on the tour, and you ride with you know it's like a bunch of youngsters just riding around on golf carts. And then the crazy thing about the Martin Show, everybody who was in L.A. celebrity-wise wanted to come by. So you right. uh, you know you got a 12-year-old Usher standing on stage. I remember, and Halle Berry came by. Richard Pryor came through there. I got to meet Richard. Work with wow. I mean, Jackie Chan and just all the different guest stars that came through there. We were able to break Tyrese, who gave him his first uh, TV appearance, and we broke Snoop Dogg and also uh, Biggie Smalls on the show. Wow. That's amazing, you know, man. So, yeah. Now, now, speak to me to this. Now, Martin Lawrence is, is one talent. Jamie Foxx is a different talent, although super talented. What was the difference in them for you as a showrunner? Two different guys, completely different guys, man. And, uh, you know, right, I think you know both of them, but I tell you, Jamie is is the complete polar opposite of Martin. He is all about the good time. You know, Martin's yeah. more focused and, and dedicated to the craft. Jamie's like, look, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be fun. So he's going to make sure the party's there every night, the girls are there. And so it was always big energy at the Jamie Foxx show. It didn't feel... Uh, like work, it just felt like a big party going on. But as far as um, you know, working with Jamie's talent, I mean, the dude's so multi-talented as far as music, uh, you know, his joke-telling ability, his uh, physicality. It was um, you know, it was a whole different animal for me to take on. You know, with Martin, we were doing multi-characters all the time. With Jamie, it was right. just you know, a big ensemble cast, but it was clearly written around. 
uh, around him. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was a, a much bigger difference. I think Jamie uh, probably trusted me a little bit more than Martin did in the beginning uh, because I had, uh, you know, uh, a pedigree by that time. So, right. he, you know, he trusted my, my vision, and he kind of went with what I thought was right. And so we always had a great working relationship. I, I was talking to a friend of mine um, um, last night, and he's in a he's in a writing situation. He's a writer on a show right now, and he he was speaking to me about you know having a network come in and 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 and, and, and make suggestions that w- didn't make sense and stuff like that. He was kind of just kind of spilling his guts. Speak to what that is, because I don't think the average Joe Blow gets an inkling of what. What is it like being a showrunner and for you to have one thing on paper and this guy that's never written a day in his life <laughs> go, no, why don't y'all do it this way? <laughs> you, know what it's, you know what it's like? I'll I give you uh, a couple of explanations, but the, the, the number one analogy is like, you know Michael Jordan knows how to play basketball, but then mm. Phil Jackson comes in and gives him notes and critiques. Well, you know, it's nothing that Phil Jackson can do to make Michael Jack, uh, Michael uh, Jordan a better basketball player, but it's just it's just it's not interference, but it's just that extra added uh, uh, help that you might need to get to that next level. But now here's the so sometimes you get negatives and sometimes you get positives because sometimes they, the network execs are really really intelligent and they really really know comedy and mm-hmm. they you know have a really good understanding of it. But then sometimes you get people that are just there for job justification and, uh, you know, they kind of come in and, and throw in their ideas because they want to be producers and mm-hmm. they just screw everything up, man. And, wow. you know, th- there's nothing more annoying than when you spent a lot of time coming up with a joke or a scenario or something like that and then a network exec comes in and basically uh, throws his, his or her weight around and says they don't like it. And so then you got to make all these changes and, of course, you're doing it begrudgingly because you're mad that you have to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's, you get a lot, you know, as, as the showrunner, you have to make the decisions, but then it's always a constant fight with the network. And I, I believe that the network uh, officials and executives are trying to always make it better, but sometimes you kind of feel like you don't need their interference in order to do your best work. Got it. Hey, you guys, it's Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Mr. Bentley, Kyle Evans. Of course, you know him from Martin Lawrence fame, or you know him from Jamie Foxx fame, but this man is continuously creating. And that's one of the things that I'm mostly impressed about, Bentley, is you continue to create and, and create good shows, man. Love That Girl is a really good show. And, and, I, and Family Time. Now, can I tell the Family Time story? Yeah. I get a call, you know, and Bentley call me. And Bentley don't, if Bentley call you, it's it's like now. Like, it is, it's not like, hey, man, next month we're doing, no, it's like right now. Yo, Rod, man, we're doing this thing, man. I want you to do it. I think you'll be great playing this dad, blah, blah. I need you tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, B, I can't do it, man. Yeah, all right, I'm going to hit you back. I was like, oh, man, I, was like, I knew I blew it. I knew I blew it. But I, I, I love Oh My Good, and I think he's great for that show. 
and uh, and I just wanted to work with Angel. Really, I just wanted to rub on Angel, but that's another story. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you you continue to create these great scenarios. What's your responsibility? Like, do you do you is there is there something in Bentley Kyle Evans that say I wanna I wanna show and tell our stories better? Is that your is that your your frame of mind? Yeah, you know what? It's 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 you know it's our duty, man. It's it's um, it, you know the big networks, uh, the ABC, CBSs, and uh, and uh, Fox and and the, the NBCs. They're not giving us an opportunity right now to tell our stories, and I believe that that's going to swing around in a very short order of time. But right now, you know, while you got a beautiful black family living in the White House and our stories aren't being told, I think it's a travesty. So I, right. I believe that it's my responsibility to continue to create uh, scenarios where, uh, you know, a different viewing audience can see the different light of, of black people. I mean, look, we are, what, we are what I put on my shows. We are, sometimes we're super intelligent, sometimes we're super ignorant. Sometimes we're big, we're small, we're, you know, it's, it's so many different elements of black people, and we got to embrace who we really are and just love who we are. I mean, everybody got that cousin. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody got that cousin. <laughs> everybody got that cousin, man. And so, you know, I, I like to bring those, those colors to life, man, and, and, uh, and constantly continue to put the pen to the paper while they'll allow me to. And right now, you know, with, with, with Bounce, and uh, with TV One, two outlets that are allowing, uh, you know, me to continue to put my vision out there and script in a scripted form, I'm just thankful, man, that we can keep, that it can keep going and, uh, you know, and, and blow up. And I got to do something. I want to do something with you, which is, you know, family time just wasn't, it wasn't the time for, for you and I to do it. But I, I feel like you and I should put something together, man, because uh, you are truly talented, man, and I, I've been wanting to work with you for a minute. Wow, well, you you know you know what be on, on the real, no bullshit. I will work with you in a heartbeat because I see what you do, man. Just to be on the set, I got opportunity to do an episode of Love That Girl, and to be on the set, I'm all about energy, and you truly conduct business in a no bullshit zone, which I think is very dope. Um, uh, family time hit. We see it on. Um, on bounce, then it made the segue over to TV One, and now I love that girl. You got characters, man. It's so rich. Um, this Brisha Webb is—is she the Steve Urkel of our generation? This new generation. You know what? She's a little bit of she. Look, Brisha Webb's got so many levels, man. Rodney, she she has the ability. First of all. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pigeonhole her as Urkel because I think Urkel did one thing great. Yeah. And and I but I think Brisha has so many different levels and you'll see that uh this season she's singing. I didn't even know she had a, a great wow. singing voice. She can sing, she can dance, she's classically trained. And she uh she and she and she's sexy, she's super hot, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you look at her you go Oh, okay. I like. I, I, it's, I'm unique, but I like the little tight fit she got on. You know I know, I mean? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when you see Breesha, you're like this. Breesha, you know, Breesha's a cutie pie, right? But then you're like this. Put that wig on, girl. Put that wig on again and walk across that stage. You know what I yeah. mean? She, she's got that little sex appeal, and it's the first time you've seen the hood chick in a position of 
being able to carry a show. And I'm telling you, she can carry a show. Oh, she, she's she's definitely doing her thing, and it was awesome to see her work up close. And and then you got my man Alfonso McCauley, who is I'm such a fan of this guy. I I, I remember uh, he used to come down to a a, a a Christian comedy spot. Myself, Cat Williams, we were all doing comedy at a place called Stepping Up, right on on uh, right in Inglewood, which is like a it's a Roscoe's now. But we used to do comedy over there in that spot. And he was just a kid. He would come down and crack his little church his little church jokes. And we was like, man, this kid has something. And to fast forward years later and see him as a man on this show, and his evolution is just incredible. Yeah, man, Fonz, is, he's, uh, he's got something real, real special. I always tell, I always put it out there. I said if they ever decide, and I know they've been talking about it, but if they ever decide to do that Richard Pryor story, they need to consider him because he looks like a wow. young Richard Pryor. Think about Richard Pryor and Lady Wow. And, and, That's and, crazy, and, you know, young dude. Richard. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, and he's, he's got, got the acting chops. Yeah, he got the acting chops. I mean, this dude can do it. He can. He's he's super funny. And what I like about him, he he has the same abilities that Will Smith had on the Fresh Prince to just kind of break out. Do his little ad libs, but stay with the, within the uh, the confines of the script. And um, I let him go. I, I believe in letting the actors do what they do, man. Man, you you are definitely letting him go. Um, the, that show, uh, executive produced by the great Martin Lawrence uh, and, and 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 Tatiana Ali. But you guys went through a facelift for this season. Tell me about that. Yeah, you know it's 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 a real simple. I mean, you know the the, the cool thing of uh, the cool thing about it is Todd is still a producer on the show, love her very much. But you know, just like any other actor, you know, we were down on a hiatus. Uh, TV One had us on a, a hiatus period where we were down for about a year, and in that time, you know, actors got to eat. So she yeah. uh, she ended up uh, going in and auditioning for this uh, show, Second Generation Wayans, for BET. And uh, she got the role and everything, so that was beautiful for her. And then, um, you know, once we got the green light to come back with TV One, it was just a, a conflict, I think, with her, with her contract where she couldn't. I think she had a non-compete clause in there from uh, between BET and TV One because oh, wow. they're competitive networks. So, you know, we had to push on and uh, and do the show uh, without her. But uh, she was totally cool with it, and and we talked about it, and uh, and. Uh, She's she's as far as I'm concerned, she's on for the life of the show, and I hope that uh, you know that we'll be friends forever. Um, so it's just one of those things, one of those scenarios. We were a little unhappy about it, but I think the show this year blossomed into something that we didn't expect. And bringing in yeah. Reagan, Reagan uh, Gomez, you know, it just it just kind of opened it up to a whole new show. Wow, and, and and like I say, man, such a great set to be on. Now now you know we got to talk about. My crazy roommate is on Bounce TV, and 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 I've never seen Bounce advertise anything like they're running this show. You know, they're doing national commercials. The network is growing. The network is blowing up. I have a show over. The party ain't over, baby. More Roddy Perry live. We come back. You don't want to miss it. The party ain't over, baby. More Roddy Perry Live. We come back. You don't want to miss it.
Hey, y'all, stay right there. We come back. More Rodney Perry Live. Tell y'all something. Y'all don't know nothing about what we're about to do. We got some great things coming down the pipe. Um, I'm, uh, I'm developing a game show that's in the process of, you know, really taking off. So I'll keep letting y'all know little tidbits about that as we get it uh, out to the world. But that's coming down the pipe. And also, man, I got to say thank you, all of you guys that continue to uh, support us. And um, it, it, we're easy to find. So you guys are always hitting us up, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You guys have been awesome, and we can't do it without you. Now, with that, I'm going to bring on my guest today. He, he, he's, had, he's been patient enough to wait for me. But this is the thing. This is the thing. There are a few people personally for Rodney Perry that, um, how do I say this? They've been instrumental in my journey personally. This is one of those guys. He allowed me to share the airways with him. He's uh, uh, just a dynamic brother. He's he's everything you want to be in a celebrity that that's not a celebrity. So we're gonna get in there, cover all that, ladies and gentlemen. He's an author. He's a a father. He's a, a just a cool ass dude on so many levels, and he dressed to the nines. He keep a fly, funky, fresh fade. He's from my hometown, Chicago, Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Michael Basie. What's up, Mike? I am smiling like a proud papa right now. What's up, Rodney? How you doing, man? <laughs> man, I got to tell you, Mike, man, first of all, thank you. Um, thank you for the, the years you gave us of your time, your family's time on the radio, and do like you are such an inspiration like there's still a huge void left in radio without you you know that right thank you partner i appreciate that i i don't try to i don't think about the void too much because i don't listen to radio i didn't listen to radio prior to starting radio i don't listen to radio now that i'm off of radio i'm pretty much too busy working and mentoring but i appreciate what you're saying i I get that from a lot of people i want the guys in the afternoon to be successful but I want them to be successful given a, a quality show. I thought I set a standard, and uh, obviously I like to see that standard upheld, man, but thank you for that. Let me tell you something. There's some big shoes sitting at the end of that bed, and, and a, a lot of people can't fit them. <laughs> <laughs> no man. comment. No comment, Rod. No comment. <laughs> hey, hey I, I already know, Mike. I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but I had to address the elephant in the room. But this is the – and I know you wouldn't have it no other way. You know, that's one thing I think that's, that – resonated with you personally is you really were never afraid uh, to attack those subjects, uh, whether it be, you know, Genesis 6. Um, was there ever any fear, any, were you ever afraid to, to tackle certain things on your show? Never. I tell you the most fearful experience I had was when we did the Genesis 6 march. My mother came down. Other people brought their children down. And I was so afraid that something would, would happen, you know, something negative would happen and it would all come back on me because if people got hurt or someone got killed, it would be my march, you know, because we wow. spearheaded that march. But other than that, as far as stuff that was put out over the airways, oh, never. It was never any fear. I had control over the content. I had control over the mic. So anything that went out over the air, you know, we had a delay. You know, we had a delay on the system. So if something was said that was inappropriate, we could always push the button and dump it. So... Um, and then later on in, in my career, I started recording a lot of the shows because, you know, people would just be inappropriate. 
So as as long as I'm being honest with myself and people weren't cursing and getting me in problem, in trouble with the FCC, you know, what was there to be afraid of? Wow. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. You're tuning in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Mr. Michael Bazin. You can check him out. He's, he's very connected to social media. And I want to talk to you specifically about social media. You can go to the website. That's michaelbazin.com or uh, bazedinlive.com is one of his sites as well. Facebook, Michael Bazin Live. Or you can check him out on One Dream, One Team as well. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Mike, talk to me about social media because I believe we have unprecedented access to the people that enjoy what we do than we've ever had. You can be found on yeah. Bazed and Live across the board. Talk to me about being able to, to, to still communicate with your people. It was huge. You know, we have more people joining us now on Bazed and Live on Facebook and Twitter than we did when we were on the radio. And even Tyler Perry, who I love, he knows it, and respect Oprah, who I love and respect. We have more people talking about our page than they do, and they have 8 million followers, and I have close to a million followers. So even though they have eight times the number of, of fans, we have sometimes two, three, four, five times the number of traffic. So, right. And that's because I'm engaging people on, on topics that allow people to have, uh, you know, to go back and forth with each other and share this kind of stuff. So social media is huge. What you're doing is very important. I elected to uh, promote my new book, uh, Raise Your Hands If You Have Issues, on, satellite, on uh, Internet radio before I went to Celestial Radio. I'll be doing Steve Harvey's show tomorrow, but mm-hmm. it was intentional that I start on Internet radio because I wanted to give you all the publicity and uh, you know, give you the recognition and the, and the type of exposure that you need and deserve because I believe it's the only place we're going to have a voice at some point. Man, for, and, and i got to be honest, Mike. And I and I know you love Rodney Perry, and I love you. But when they told me we got no Bazin, I was like, "What the hell?" I like <laughs> Bazin ain't got to do my show. So I really appreciate it. But one thing I understand about you is you you understand that that things work from a grassroots level. I mean, you've built your career Absolutely. from a grassroots level, man, on so many levels. Let's go back. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Michael Bazin, the author now, not Michael Bazin, the radio personality or philanthropist. You know, I know you wear a lot of hats. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk to Michael Bazin, the author. Um, God's gift to women. How much is one mm-hmm. night of passion really worth? Started it all <laughs> off. Um, take me through the progression of the books to today and – and what do you want to accomplish with this book that's out now? Raise your hand if you have issues, because I think there's a lot of hands up right now. And feet, okay? So <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you like this. It started actually with Never Satisfied, How Why Men Cheat back in 1995. That was my first book. Wow. And about, about four months after I released the book, I left my job working with the Chicago Transit Authority, called my mom, borrowed money from my mom and a couple of my coworkers, and I made that three thousand uh, dollars. You know, it turned into this 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 media empire that I have now. But it started with the being fearless, as you said before, and believing in your dream, and saying no matter what happens, I'm going to make this work. Losing was never an option for me. So when I left that job with a three year old daughter at the time, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be successful. Now remember, or you may not know this story, is that I never wanted to be a relationship author. That was never my intention. I never wanted to get okay. into a relationship. But I knew that if I wanted to get media attention, 
that I had to write about relationships because those are the authors I saw on the television shows. Got so it. I wrote a book first to get myself exposure, and then I wrote the novels, which is what I really wanted to write, which was Me and Cry in the Dark, mm-hmm. God's Gift to Women, The Maintenance Man Part 1, Maintenance Man Part 2. And um, that's how it started. I really wanted to make film, Rodney. I started out as a guy who wanted to adapt his books to movies the way Terry McMillan did. Yeah. So, so now, okay. years later, we finally got the treatments done. Go ahead. So l- l- let me ask you this, Mike. So what's your training? Did, did, you, were you, did you take classes? How, how did you know you were a writer? I didn't. I, I'll be honest with you. I was a guy. Let's look at Robin Williams as probably the best example for me. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams probably never taken acting class. You know, Robin Williams was a stand-up comedian. He got a job on Mork and Mindy. He got an Academy Award nomination for uh, Dead Poets Society, one of the deepest actors you'll ever see on film when, when, when Robin's doing his thing. Because acting and comedy is the same. It's timing, right? It's all timing. Yeah. Some people have great timing. Some people have gifted timing. He has gifted timing. I was a person that spoke very well. I'm a talker. That's what I do. I am a talker. I'm a speaker. So I found a way to write the way I talk. I just happened to be able to transfer my talking gift to a writing gift. So to me, they're one and the same. When I'm writing, people can hear it like it's very conversational. So I had no uh, training at all in writing. So so the the um the 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 relationship uh lane was just a vehicle for you to really get to tell the mm-hmm. stories you wanted to tell. Exactly. That's you nailed it right on the head. I, I never wanted to be a radio host, I never wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be a guy who wrote great books that were adapted into movies. And it just goes to show you, man, that when you pursue one dream, it can turn into other dreams. And so yeah. once I got out there promoting my book at the Black Expo, because there was a big Black Expo tour going on back in 1995, that's how comedians, artists, people who had businesses, that's how you got your business out through these Black Expo tours that traveled all across the country. Right. And so I would have seminars at the Black Expo to promote my book. I didn't want to do a seminar at the Expo. I just wanted to sell my book. But I noticed when I did seminars, I sold hundreds of books. And when I just sat there at that table, hold the book in my hand, I'd be lucky to make a couple of hundred dollars. So I did the mm. seminars out of necessity, and the radio interviews promoted the seminars, so I became very good at being on radio promoting my seminars. And, again, one, one dream led to another. Very wow. organic. It, it, and we've had a chance to watch all the dreams. You know, you and I have had conversations, man, and, and I, I just remember, you know, you going, Rod, man, I'm not a celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. but but you actually became a celebrity. How how were you able to to deal with that? Being a guy that really didn't want that, I still don't. And when I walk <laughs> to the airport, I'm the guy with his head down um, because I'm I'm not in it for that. That's why when the show ended, the way it ended, uh, as uh, I thought very unprofessionally. But you know, it's the business. My attitude was, you're not taking anything from me. And, and I tried to convey that to the, to the people I was in business with who I'm not going to mention because they're not important. I'm like, I'm not in love with money. I'm not in love with being on the air. I'm in love with people. So you can't take the people away from me because of the people already know who I am. I can reach them on Facebook. I can still do my speaking events. I can still write my books. So you can't, you, you're not in between me and the people. So a lot of people don't understand that. They think that once they take your money, they take away your identity. Well, I would never 
about the money. You know how I was on my television show, which I yeah. never made any money off of. I never made a dime off of that, rate, that television show because that was my way of saying, let me show you what I can do, and then you pay me. Same thing with radio. I never made a dime off of radio in New York. I was number one in New York and wasn't making a dime. I did that show for free. I was number one in New York without a paycheck. And, and that's another lesson for a lot of people out there listening. Stop trying to get paid first. You know, yeah. everybody wants the money. Pay me first. No, show me what you can do. Make yourself valuable, and then I'll pay you. And that's the way it should be. Wow, man. man that, that's so well said. I, I say this all the time, and I want, I want, I want to hear, hear your take on this. People want what you have without doing what you did. Okay? <laughs> I like that. People want what you have. Like, people look at a Michael Bazin or a Rodney Perry or anybody that, that's in the quote-unquote line like me, like, oh, man, I see you doing this, doing that. But you don't know what – you don't know that I worked for free at KJLH for four years before I ever did any of this mm-hmm. or before Not I that. did that or before or before Michael Bazin became the Michael Bazin we know. He was driving at the, on the CTA in Chicago. You know, right. he was writing this, or, or the hours it takes to write a book, the 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 months yeah. it takes for you to get it done. What what is your process when it comes to writing? Oh, lock lock the doors, dude. Grab some some takeout and a lot of water, and, and sit your butt down there and become creative. You know, writing to write well is the most difficult thing in the world to do because it's just you and a blank screen or a blank piece of paper. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to make that paper come to life. You have to make people hear those voices. You have to move the story along in time. You have to create the place where they're talking. You've got to make people care about the characters. So it's a very difficult thing to do well. I, I just had a gift for it. But uh, to answer your question about people want what you want without doing what you did, you have to understand for me, Rodney, being a writer is the most difficult thing in the world to do. You're trying to sell books to black people. Let's get real, Negro, okay? Wow. You're trying Let's to go. Let's go there. to black people. So you have to understand that we're, we're typically not readers. Let's just say what it is. You know, reading for most people in general is not a simple thing to do. People will prefer to watch a movie than to read a book. I mean, that's just how it is. Now, now so let I me stop to... you right there, Mike, because you squashed that idea because you've been selling books for two decades. Yeah, but you know, Rodney, I, I was good at selling myself. Okay. okay. I was very good at selling myself, which made people interested in my books. And now let me just give credit to Terry McMillan for a second. Terry McMillan started a renaissance of black writers with Elon Harris, Eric Jerome Dickey. I mean, these are all people. These are all all my peers. Uh, B.B. Moore Campbell. I mean, these were a lot of people who were hot. Uh, We were hot. So Terry McMillan created that opportunity with Waiting to Exhale. And then Elon Harris came in with his incredible books. I miss Elon, God rest his soul. Another great friend of mine in the business. And Omar Tyree, I got to give Omar his love. And, oh, yeah, I and like so it. it was a renaissance. Sometimes timing is everything, Rodney. And I came along at the right time. I saw the opportunity around the corner for a black male writer writing from a black man's or a man's perspective, not even a black man, but a man's perspective. So timing played a huge part in that success. And black bookstores played a tremendous part in my success. And they're all gone now. Why is that, Mike? I mean, was it just not a viable business, or or is, is it like you started to say, it's like, are we not reading? We're not reading. I mean, there's no reason in the world these stores should have gone out of business. If we had supported them, of course, you need great writers. You've got to have great books for people to go into the stores and buy. 
But Barnes and Noble, and and now what? Borders is out of business. Yeah. So people in general are not reading, man. It's not just black people. I mean, that's why these big chains are going out of business. Now, now, do you think it's it's the Kindles? It's the it's it's not that they're not reading. It's just they're reading through different means. Like no, like is the days of going to buy a piece of hard book almost over? It is. It is. It's definitely dying. I mean, 70% of the books that I sell are, are through electronic books. But in, we, we don't train our children to read. I mean, reading children come from reading parents. Yeah. So when you don't have parents who are reading, excuse me, you're not going to have children who read. And then children don't turn into young adults who read. So I'm tired of getting emails from brothers in prison telling me, your book was the first book I read from cover to cover. It shouldn't wow. take a brother going to prison to read a book from cover to cover. So we're not being raised enough on books. And books are, I'm going to tell you, you've got to read to lead, man. You have to. If you want to be successful, you've got to, you have to study, especially if you want to be a, a leader in this community or leader in, amongst our people, a leader in this country, a leader in this world. You have to be a reader. There's no way around it. Uh, let's talk about the, the current book. Raise your hand if you have issues. And I love the cover because <laughs> it, it, oh, it, it's you, diverse. The, the cover is diverse. I see I see a kid's hand. I see um, uh, secrets, One, women, children, dating, uh, being single, uh, deadbeat dads, fear, divorce, self-esteem, infidelity, ego, marriage. Uh, what are these issues, and does everybody have them? These are the Michael Bazin Show issues. These are the yeah. issues that for 10 years, five days a week, four hours a day, we got down with the topics nobody else wanted to touch and nobody else has and nobody else will ever touch on, on live afternoon drive time mainstream radio. Because it's difficult for people to talk about things, number one, they don't have an interest in, number two, they don't have mm-hmm. information about, and three, that they're afraid to reveal themselves. See, when you talk about things as a writer even, even as a comedian, dude, if you want to get real, you reveal things yeah. about yourself with your comedy, right? Very true. So I'm not afraid to talk about molestation. No, I haven't been molested, but I know people who have. I'm not afraid yeah. to talk about deadbeat dads. No, I'm not a deadbeat, but I know men who are. I'm not afraid to talk about uh, being single. I've been single. I'm not afraid to talk about people who are jacking up their marriages. I jacked up mine. So, and, of course, the dream killers, because you and I and everybody else who's ever tried to be successful has had people try to kill their dreams. So these are all our issues, and people, for whatever reason, don't want to admit they have issues, and how can you solve your problems if you don't admit you have one? Wow. So, so um, are people raising their hands, man? Are, are, you, are you touring yet? Are, can people see, you know, go out? Because I've been to the Michael Bazin book frenzy, and it's crazy. Uh, are you <laughs> out yet with this one? Yeah, I mean, we just released it on Tuesday. Um, as I said, we're going to do Steve's show tomorrow. We'll start hitting the, the TV shows. And um, I'm just going to do what I do best, man. That's to talk about the truth from, from how I see it and allow people to engage me. Because, see, that's the difference. You know, the, the one difference with me and a preacher is that the preacher doesn't have a microphone in the audience. I do. When I talk right. on radio, it's not just me talking amongst people. You listen to most radio. It's just them talking amongst each other. Exactly. If you, if you go to a church, it's the pastor talking to the congregation. The one difference with the Michael Bazin show 
and I say the Michael Bazin show because it's not just me. It's the staff. It's the listeners. It's the affiliates. Is that people had a chance to tell us what they thought about what I just said. Because I'm not trying to be right. I'm just trying to engage you and challenge right. you to challenge me. So that's how we grow. We grow from challenging each other. And that's what's missing is engaging conversation that challenges people. Wow, man. It's, it's such a, it, this is such a great, great chat. And these are, the, these are my, my, my shows that do the best are when you get two men on the phone having real conversations. Um, are we better off as men now, or is it getting worse for us? Hell no. Oh, man, let me, let me tell you what our, our problem is as men. And I'm not talking about all men. I'm talking about men in general because there's a lot of brothers holding it down, like myself, like you, like my brother, like my best friend, like my brother-in-law. I have, I have a lot of great examples of married men and men in committed relationships and men who are raising uh, their families. But generally speaking, the level of maturity and responsibility with black men has hit rock bottom, rock bottom. And, and I've never seen so many older men acting, talking, and dressing young. And, and that's a problem because women need to be challenged by men. And any real woman understands what I mean by that because a challenge is not a bad thing. It's something that makes you better, challenges you to, challenges you to be better. But when women are reading more than men, when women are traveling more than men, when women are owning more homes than men, when women are starting more businesses than men, when women are raising more kids than men, how are we challenging them when they're the ones with all the resources? And that's where we're at right now. The women are the ones holding the resources, and the men are falling behind, obviously, for social reasons. All right, we know there's racism and all these other issues. But sometimes it's just a lack of responsibility and a lack of maturity, and we've got to change that. The name of the book is Raise Your Hand If You Have Issues. We're talking to Michael Bazin. Um, I'm going to throw a couple of phrases out. Uh, This was so funny to me when I read this. I'm allergic to negative people. Do, do you start itching, Mike? <laughs> I do. I, I break out in hives, man. And, and, you know, it's a harsh thing to say, but you know as well as I do, when you're trying to, to, to reach the next level, you cannot tolerate, and I mean this in the most passionate way I can to anybody who's listening, you cannot tolerate for one second negative energy. It's yeah. so difficult to manage the money issues, to manage the, the issues with your kids, the sick parents, the financial issues, you don't have time for people who take away from your energy. And negative mm. people take away from your energy. They take away from your focus. So, yes, you should be allergic to them. We all should be. I know. They, they give me the sneezes. You, now, I think this is such a great, <laughs> great statement. Um, being single is not a disease. That's right. Talk to me on that, dog. What does that mean, dog? Well, we have to stop treating women especially because, men, we, we get pat on the back for being single. It's like a, a badge of honor almost to be single mm-hmm. as a man. But for a lot of women, for many women, I think for most women it's probably safe to say that people treat you like something is wrong with you. For example, when a man sees an attractive woman, and I write this at the beginning of the chapter, what's wrong with you that you're single? Well, what you may not realize is the reason why that woman may be single is that there's nothing wrong with her. And it's the woman who's in the relationship sometimes or in the bad relationship. She's the one with the issue. So mm. nobody's examining the women who are unhappily married and are unhappily in relationships. There's nothing wrong with her, but there's something wrong with the happily single woman who just chooses not to deal with the drama. So 
in order for any woman to be happily married, she's got to be happily single first. So why are we talking the woman who's simply preparing for a good man or happy in the meantime is how I like to put it. Yeah, I, I really subscribe to that concept, man, because if – if you, I think if you're not a successful single, it's very difficult to be a successful member of a couple. Like you got that if, right. If you don't know what you like, how can you communicate what you like? Whether it's from sex to you know managing money to to if I want children, all of those questions you have to have it at the very least contemplated. I think. And and even deeper still is the ability to create peace within your own life. If you can't create peace. Alone, it is impossible to be peaceful in a relationship. So that's the one thing that I find that many women who are single are mastering. They're mastering being happy and being content and having peace on their own. And I, I think that's a healthy thing. We're talking to Mr. Michael Bazin. The name of the book is Raise Your Hand If You Have Issues. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying, and that's the issue. <laughs> that's gangster to me. <laughs> I love that. One last line I, I read, and, and I, you know, I'm married. I'm 17 years married. Um, I'm not the same person you married. Yeah, that I mean, is how many so people true. tell you, "Thank you, brother." And if if one person who's going to co-sign on that more than anyone else is the person who's married because they know it's true, and nobody tells you that when you get married. Nobody ever tells people when you get married. By the way. Both of you all are going to change. And then you have to find a way. That's the most complicated aspect of any marriage is to grow together. It is. Children come in, into play. Your careers come into play. Friends, family, other men, other women, right? I mean, these, it's just a part of life. The question is, can you evolve together? Can you mature together? Can you grow together? And I think for a lot of men and women, they can't. And it's not because they're not meant to. I just think they don't have the tools and know how to. To know that that woman who maybe not was as sexual when she was younger has become very sexual. That wow. man who was very quiet has become very, out, very outgoing now. Do you love each other enough? Do you value each other enough to find a way to work that out to stay together? Or, and this is the real tough part, and I talk about this in the book too, or have you grown out of each other and you just have to admit we're no longer compatible? You know how many people wow. have their children leave home? and then find out they have absolutely nothing in common after being together right. 10, 15, 20 years, it's amazing because you've been spending so much energy and time into raising those kids, you haven't put any energy and time into building your relationship, and you don't even know each other. But nobody tells you to keep track of those things. It's called checking in, and people don't check in to make sure their relationship is still on track. So once all the distractions are out of the way, they find that they're, they're not only on, not on track, they're not even in the same area code, man. It's over. Wow. And that's, uh, wow. that's unfortunate. Yeah, you know what? That's very true. I, I got a friend of mine, he and his wife, like you said, they they got all the kids up and out the house. One one son with the military, daughter went off to college, and they were sitting in that house going, who are you? Yep. You know, and a year later they, they were divorced. So you're absolutely right on that, man. What do you want to accomplish with this book, Mike? I want to – do what I always do, the thing I love doing most. And I'm going to get a little deep here because, you know, it's deeper than just having talks about relationships. It's having different talks. It's having a different talk about business. It's having a different talk about who's in our life. It's having a different talk about God, if you want to get deep about it. I love the movie Life of Pi. Those of you all who saw it, 
I may remember at the beginning of the film, the parents encouraged the young boy to pursue several different religions. And the one thing that I, I really enjoyed about that was watching this family support him in whatever direction he went because they wanted him to think and learn to think for himself and evolve in his own way. And I think that's the problem with what we have going on in society, man. We're trying to guide our children. We're trying to guide each other. We're trying to control each other too much instead of allowing each other to grow in a way that's very natural and very healthy. So this book is designed for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to open dialogue for people to challenge each other to think because that's something we're not doing. We're doing a lot of feeling. We feel in church. We feel in our relationships. But we don't think things through, and that's why we end up in the relationships that are unhealthy. So thanks for having me, man, to talk about it. Hey, man, hey, hey Mike, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, the name of the book is, of course, Raise Your Hand If You Have Issues. Um, and, you know, if, if you're not on the, 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 the Michael Bazin reading bandwagon, please do yourself a service because, man, it, all of the books are incredible. Uh, your body of work is noteworthy. Again, as a fan, I thank you for your service to us on the radio for those years. And, hey, you, I, you did like like I did. When Monique's show went away, I went and did what I do. You know, I tell jokes. That's right. You know, so I, I was like, I said, I said this. I said, wait to I said, we got another book coming within two months. I know it. Because <laughs> we do That's what, what we I do. do, man. So, so again, man, thank you, man. I can't wait to see your face, Mike, man. It's been a blessing. And, again, man, I, I look once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. That's our show. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. That's our show for today. Check us out next Monday, 2 p.m. We are doing it. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. That's our show for today. Check us out next Monday, 2 p.m. We are doing it. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuned in to Rodney Perry Live. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.